you have your Bibles, if you would go ahead and get those out and open and ready. And uh, if you have your sermon notes this morning, you see uh, the top of your outline that we are looking at this morning, finding freedom from pornography. Now, you may be sitting there this morning thinking, why in the world are we talking about this, right? And I wish that we didn't have to. Honestly, wish with everything, every fiber of my soul that this was not something that we needed to talk about. It was not a necessity for me to talk about from the pulpit. It's certainly not the most comfortable of subjects to talk about. But if you're sitting there thinking, why are we talking about this? Maybe it's possible that uh, pornography has not been something that has ravaged your soul. That you've not been a parent who has found themselves at crossroads trying to figure out how to navigate in this new world. And so if you were to say, why are we talking about this? And because it has no bearing on your life. First and foremost, praise the Lord that it has not been an issue in your heart and in your life. And also recognize, as we'll look at in just a moment, that there are untold, untold numbers of people who are around you who are deeply, deeply struggling with this issue. And so maybe this morning, rather than saying, oh, this is not for me, I don't struggle with pornography, so I don't have to listen, maybe you can say, how can I be somebody who can be a person that somebody can lean on and encourage? How can I be somebody who would listen and be a mentor through somebody as they're walking through a difficult struggle with pornography? But maybe also this morning you are sitting there and your heart is beating a little bit faster than normal because you know. You, you know how devastating this has been in your heart and in your own life. Maybe you've confessed it to another brother or sister or also maybe you are living in darkness right now and you have for years and years and years and years And your heart is beating fast because you know that this could be a special day for you. See, friends, pornography is a silent killer of souls that is doing cataclysmic damage in our culture, but also in our church. Pornography is doing cataclysmic, cataclysmic, devastating damage silently, both in our culture and in our church. And so I'm uh, praying this morning as I use the language of war and battle that we are going to war. You're going to battle. This is not an issue in which you sprinkle a little pixie dust over and all of a sudden it goes away. This is a war and a battle that we will fight until the Lord calls us home. And so this morning, oh friends, I have been praying that our hearts would be open and would be stirred and the right words would come forth from my mouth because this is, friends, a devastating issue. And so this morning, let's look at number one, and I've given you some room to take some notes. Let's, one, recognize the depth, the depth of this problem. Let's recognize the depth of the problem. In 1998, the internet contained 14 million pornographic websites. 20 years later, in 2018, there were 2.3 billion pornography websites online. Nearly 40% of all web traffic is adult in nature. 40% of all web traffic is adult in nature. The largest consumer of internet pornography today is 12 to 17-year-olds. The largest consumer of internet pornography today is 12 to 17-year-olds who have now grown up with the internet access in their back pocket. And when you say, well, internet pornography is difficult to get or pornography is hard to get, let me just remind you in the day that we're living in what internet pornography, the ease and availability of it, it's several A's here that you can just write these down. Internet pornography is extremely available. 
We all carry devices in our pockets, and, which would mean it's available and also accessible. It's highly accessible. It is highly appealing. All sin is highly appealing for a time, is it not? It's available. It's accessible. It's appealing. It is highly addictive. Most scientists would say that pornography is in the same addictive scale as heroin and cocaine. Once it's got its tentacles in you, it does not let go very easily. Pornography is available, it's accessible, it's appealing, it's addictive. It is affordable, if not free. It's anonymous. Back in a day where you'd have to go to a place and purchase something at great cost of shame and guilt or being found out, now you can access it anonymously from anywhere that you are, and it is highly aggressive. Let me say those again, because I want us to be reminded, if you are a parent, a grandparent, or a child, let me remind you of the, the access that we have nowadays to such harmful things, the availability of it, the accessibility of it, that in most of our homes today, you can access pornography or adult themed content in every home on every device that we're surrounded with it's incredibly appealing and addictive it's free and it is anonymous and highly aggressive friends i want us to sober up for a moment and recognize that statistics show that the first average exposure to internet pornography is at 11 years old that at 11 years old is the average age for a child's first exposure to pornography. And each year, that age continues to decrease and decrease and decrease and decrease and decrease as it becomes more accessible and our children grow up with access all in their hands. But you may say, well, this is just an issue with the culture, right? We just live in a, a pornified culture, a sexualized culture. It's not true of in the church, right? We're a, a bastion of purity, and so this is not happening in the church. Partner Research Group found that the rates of Christian men, the rates of Christian men who are actively seeking pornography, of 13 to 18-year-olds, 81% of Christian men, 13 to 18-year-olds, are actively seeking pornography. Friends, is that not staggering? That of 13 to 18-year-old Christian men actively seeking pornography, 81%. Go down a little further, 18 to 24-year-olds, Christian men, 76% of Christian men, 18 to 24-year-olds, are actively seeking pornography. 25 to 39-year-olds, 65% of Christian men actively seeking pornography. Is that not staggering? And so if you say, why are we talking about this? This is why we're talking about this. Because if we would say, well, it's just going to go away, this is an issue that's going to go away, you see that men are actively struggling with it, but year over year, women are continuing to rise and increase in their rates of addiction as well. And if you were to peer over the edge into the future, you would see that this problem is not being squelched, if only it's getting worse. As augmented reality and virtual reality and the metaverse become a thing that we're dealing with, we're seeing rates that are only going to go through the roof. In fact, studies by different groups have tried to study the effects of the exposure of pornography on the mind of a child or the mind of an adult. And as early as 2019, 
and the University of Montreal study and several others have had to stop the studies because they cannot find a control group large enough of men who have not been affected by pornography. This came to head several months ago as I sat down with some representatives from our International Mission Board and other missions agencies, and they saw the decline in male missionaries going out into the field. They began to poke and prod and say, why do we see rates of single men going out in the mission field continue to decrease year after year? The only thing that they can attribute to is the addiction of pornography in men that has left men on the sidelines of the mission God has called them to. And so, friends, statistics help us recognize the problem, but they don't help us solve the problem. At the end of the day, we have a serious problem, not just in our culture, but in our churches and in our pews. And we've got to address it because it is destroying lives. As a youth minister, the number one issue is that kids would come and sit on the couch and talk through were their addiction to pornography. As I've grown in ministry, the number one issue is people come and sit down and talk as they are struggling with an addiction to pornography and marriages, addiction to pornography, ripping husbands and wives apart. Parents wholly unqualified to know what to do with their child's addiction to pornography. We've got to talk about it. This is ripping us apart. It is keeping us off the mission field. It is keeping us from being the husbands and wives that we are called to be. It is keeping us on the sidelines of ministry and it is keeping us in a deep pit of shame and guilt and despair. And so we've got to talk about it. So let's go to number two as we recognize the depth of the problem. Number two, we need to recognize that sin thrives in darkness. Sin will always thrive, and you can put any sin into that category, that sin thrives in the darkness. Let's look at 1 John, it says verse chapter 4, but 1 John chapter 1, 5 through 10. If you have your Bibles, open up there for a moment. 1 John chapter, chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. The writer says, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we are in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. I want to zoom in for a moment on verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from unrighteousness. I tell you this morning, if you are struggling in the pit of pornography and sin, whatever your sin looks like, all sin is going to thrive in darkness. And I know that this may be difficult to hear, and you may not want to hear this, but if you are going to break free from the hold and the strongholds and the slavery that pornography is, it is going to start with a confession to somebody. And the enemy is going to tell you, you can't tell anybody. You can't, you can't share that information. That's so embarrassing, so shame-filled. You can't share that. Nobody's going to look at you in the same way. And that is the tactic of the enemy to keep you in the pit of despair and to keep you in the darkness. I tell you, the only the only chance that you've got to break free of this is in the power of confessing your sin to someone else. 
And so let me flip this for a moment because I know I'm talking to two different groups of people, those who are struggling with pornography and those who are not. And can I tell you, those who are wrestling right now, even in the pew and hearing this sermon, who are saying, I know that I need to tell somebody, but I'm scared to death to tell somebody. I'm scared to death of what this would mean if I brought it forth. You say, if you are not struggling or if you don't have a confession to make, what would it look like for you to be the kind of person that would welcome that confession to you? One of the things we struggle with is that people have this deep, dark secret, but they have nobody to share it with. They're scared to death to talk to a parent. They're scared to death to talk to a grandparent. They're scared to death to talk to a mentor because they don't know how they would be responded to. And so let me ask you, moms and dads and grandparents and caretakers, if your child came or if your, if your kid or if you had somebody in your Bible fellowship class come up to you and say, I'm struggling with this, how would you respond? We recognize that Jesus says there is therefore no now, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So we don't come with a condemning hand. We recognize the tentacles and the way that this infiltrates the heart. And so we don't come after. We lovingly say, let me help you out of this. And we, we've got we've to make an environment that is good and right for us to talk about these things that we struggle with. Before the Lord, yes, it is ugly and nasty, but all sin is ugly and nasty before the Lord. So moms and dads, have you created an environment in which your kids can come and tell you, Mom, Dad, I am, I am struggling and I need help. Husbands and wives, have you created an environment where husbands, if you're struggling, that you can come to your wife and say, I'm, I'm struggling and I need your help. For those of you who are struggling, know that there are people out there who want you to come forth to the light. If you need somebody to talk to, man, you can put it on your Connect card to say, I need to talk. Talk to your Bible fellowship leader. Talk to a mentor. Talk to a friend. Talk to a, a trusted confidant. But you have got to bring it forth in the life. Sin thrives in darkness. Several years ago, Brittany and I were in Birmingham looking at a house. And it was our first home to purchase. And we, we looked at this beautiful little small house. And it looked beautiful as could be. So we put an offer on it. And we did the home inspection. And everything was going good. And the home inspector came back. And he said, you know, everything looks good. But let me just talk you through one problem that we did find. He said, as we crawled into the basement, we found that the people had installed the vapor barrier and the moisture barrier of insulation upside down. And so instead of drawing moisture away from the house, it's actually retaining moisture in the house. He says, as we begin to peel back the moisture barrier, what we found is mold all in the floorboards. And so my heart began to sink, but I'm also not much of a builder. I don't know anything about anything when it comes to any of this stuff. So I said, well... I mean, is that that big of a deal? I know. And he was like, yes. Yes, it is. Mold is a big deal in a home. And so what would it take to remedy? Or what would happen if we just moved in and, and you know, didn't do much about it? Because we love the house. He said, eventually, if you don't take this insulation down, rip it out, take the floorboards out, and get to the harder problem, rip out all of this mold, and bring in cleaning solution, and get all this mold taken care of, What's going to happen is the mold is going to begin to grow into the floorboards. It's going to begin to grow up through the floorboards. And eventually, it's going to take over in a lot of different places if you don't remove the source of the issue. And this mold is going to keep growing and growing and growing up. And eventually, you're going to have health issues because this is bad mold. And the mold spores are going to release stuff. And you are going to be struggling with your health over a period of time if you don't take care of what is an issue right now in this crawl space. Which can I tell you? Some of you have lived under this false notion 
that this sin that you are working through is just down in the crawl space of your life. It's just down there. It's underneath the house. It's just down there. You don't see it. You don't look at it. It's not exposed. It's just down there. It's not causing any issues to anybody. It's just down there in the crawl space. Nobody goes in the crawl space. It's dark and damp down there. It's not an issue. Nobody sees it. Nobody knows it's there. We have guests into our house. Nobody would ever know that it's down there. But the longer that mold stays in the basement of your heart, the more damage it is inflicting every single day. And you may think, oh, it's down there, nobody's there. But every day, those mold spores are increasingly growing and they are releasing all these toxins that are killing you the longer you stay in it. You may not see it for years and years and years and years, but it is slowly killing you. And this is pornography. If you've kept it locked in your basement, seeming to believe that it's locked and it's down there and nobody knows it, but friends, it affects everything about you. It affects the way that you look at the opposite sex. It looks, affects the way that you treat other people. It affects your depression and your isolation. It affects every part of you, and it is killing you. So the only way that you can correct it is not to say, well, I'll just, just hope it goes away, or I don't see it, and so it's not that big a deal. It is to get down into the darkness, to rip out that moldy floorboard, to rip it all out and start fresh. So I'm going to tell you here as clearly as I possibly can, that it is going to take a courageous step on your part, but the only way that you will find healing is bringing it to the light. And let me tell you, the enemy will fight you at every nook and every turn to say, don't do it. You, you cannot possibly share that with somebody. You cannot do it. My friends, continue to stay in the darkness unless you bring it to the light. Number three, on the back of your outline, we, we bring it to the light that sin thrives in the darkness, but we also recognize that we must be proactive in our fight against it. Be proactive in the fight. Romans 13, 11 through 14 would say, beside this, you know this time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. This has been my prayer for us as a church, that we would wake up to the reality of what this is doing in our homes and in our lives and our relationships, that we would wake up from sleep for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone and the day is at hand, so let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies or drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling or jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Make no provisions for the flesh. Friends, we wake up to the devastating effects of pornography and we make no provision for the flesh. We'll look over the next few weeks at Proverbs chapter 6 and 7, but there's a, a wonderful little phrase there that's always been so helpful when tar- talking about sin, especially sexual sin. The writer of this proverb says, Can a man carry fire next to his chest? in his clothes and not be burned? Or can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? Several years or several months ago, I had lunch with a man and as we're having lunch, he said, you know, I've been addicted to drugs for a long time. And I said, okay, well, are you on drugs right now? And he said, he said, no. And since I drove him over, I said, do you have drugs on you right now? And he said, no. And he said, I haven't done drugs in about two weeks. I said, well, that's fantastic. I celebrate that. He said, but I do have a bunch of drugs at my house. I said, you've got drugs at your house. He said, yeah, but I'm not planning on doing them. 
And I look at that, and I've thought about that often as he said that, with, with full confidence. He said, I've got a lot of drugs in my house, but I don't plan on doing them. I'm going to think, that, is, that makes no sense. You've got drugs in your house. You've been addicted to drugs. Why in the world would you just keep them hanging around your house? Don't you know that you're right on the Like, why would you keep these things right next to you? Friends, this is at times what we do with these influences in our life. Well, I've never haven't had a problem with pornography for a long time, or I don't have an issue with pornography, so I'll just keep everything unfiltered, or my kids haven't shown any signs of pornography, so we'll just keep all these things going, and we'll keep our computer right here in locked rooms or whatever it may be, and we'll never have an issue with it. How long can a man carry fire next to his chest and not be burned? How long will you flirt with the line of saying, is this or is this not? How long will you continue to go into those places, go into those sites and thinking, I'm above it, I'm not going to worry, it's not going to bother me, it's not going to affect me? Let me just share with you my, my personal, what, what I do. I want you to know that as a 35, 34-year-old man, I'm not above this or say I'm so pure that I would never look at any, I want you to know what a fight and a battle this is every day for all of us. That every device that I own, my phone, my iPad, my computers, every device in my home that is mine, my wife sees every place that I go on those phones. I'm not saying I just show her. No, I have software on every device that I have. So my wife, if there is anything conspicuous, anything that should not be there, she gets a detailed readout of everything on it. If I look at stuff that is impure, there's some algorithm that takes a screenshot and it sends it to my wife. That's sobering, right? There's things that are like, ah, I don't want to see that because I know that Brittany will see it and we'll have a conversation. It'll be awkward. But I'm telling you, as your pastor, that I'm not saying, hey, I just live out there free flowing. No, I want to protect my eyes from these things and I want to be accountable to my wife for what I look at and what I view. Every TV, every device in our home goes through filtration because I'm not going to let just something happenstance on my kids' devices. And so would we just have drugs in our home and say, kids, don't go for it? Hey, I know there's some heroin over there, but just don't, just don't, don't, don't get it. No, we lock up our medicine in our medicine cabinet, do we not? Because we don't want our kids to get a hold of it. We're careful as parents to wage a war and be proactive in the fight against it, knowing that the addictive nature of pornography is similar to cocaine and heroin. So why would we just let it free flow through our homes? Friends, this is sobering. His son is five years old to know in maybe five years he will have on average his first exposure to pornography, whether accidental or not. So it is on me as a parent to protect my son in every way that I can, knowing that he's going to walk into a world that is sexualized and pornified at every degree. I'm going to create an environment in which we can talk about these things, we can have conversations. Friends, we've got to be proactive in this fight. We can't stand by and let just things happen. We've got to be proactive in this fight against pornography. Number four, as you leave here this morning, as we continue on this conversation next week, there's, there's much to talk about, but I want to leave you with this central note because we've got to feel this and you've got to know this as a believer, that number four, you can experience freedom. Brothers and sisters, if you are deeply struggling this morning, know that you can experience freedom. 
that you are not too far gone, that this sin is not somehow different than every other sin, that there is no freedom to be found in it, that there is freedom to be found in this. And what I want you to know, Galatians 5.1 would tell us, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Many of you have been in bondage year after year after year after year, and it just feels like you're going to die in bondage because there is nowhere and no hope for you. We see Jesus. For freedom, Christ has set you free. He has come to this earth, lived a sinless and perfect life. He has died on the cross to save you of all of your sins, not just your little ones, but your big addictive sins that you've had for years and years and years. For freedom, Christ has set you free. And so there is hope for you. Believe it, friends. There is hope for you. There is hope in Jesus. There is hope in confession. There is hope in bringing it to the light. So how to tell you, friend. the devil wants to keep you in bondage. He wants to keep you enslaved. He wants to keep you in captivity. He wants to keep you on the sidelines of your mission and calling as a man or a woman. He wants to keep you down in the basement cellar of your soul. And it's going to take a courageous leap of faith. It's going to take, I'm not standing for this anymore. I'm not falling for this anymore. I'm not falling into this addictive habit anymore. I want hope. I want healing. I want light in my life. It's going to take a courageous step of obedience to walk out of this. But you can do it. There is hope for you today. So this morning, I would just say, if you find yourself struggling, and you say, I, I need help, and you don't know where to turn. Maybe take your little Connect card this morning. Maybe just write on the back, and you can, you can check the little confidential box, and you can just say, I I'd like to talk. I, I need help. Pray for me. Whatever you want to put on there, and just say contact or confidential, whatever, and I would be glad to talk to you, or ministerial team would be glad to talk to you. I I'm just saying, please, please, I beg you. And I started with this this morning to remind us, please do not stay in the dark. Please bring it to the light and know the Lord Jesus. There is no condemnation that for freedom, Christ is calling to set you free. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day. Lord, we could talk for hours and hours and hours and tell story after story after story of the devastating effect of pornography. But we could also talk for hours and hours and hours and hours over the devastating effect of sin. And Lord, I know if statistics would hold true that there are many in this room who are not living to the potential that God has called them to, that are suffering in silence and in darkness over this devastating sin in their life. Their hearts are beating fast right now, knowing that they want to act on what we've spoken. And so Lord, I pray that you would fill their hearts with courage to simply share what's happening in their heart with somebody. I pray for those moms and dads and grandparents and caretakers who are raising kids in the midst of a culture such as ours, that you would give us the wisdom, but also the sober-mindedness to fight, to be prepared, to not be ignorant of the schemes of the evil one, but to protect. I pray that we create spaces in which it is safe and good for us to talk about 
where we're struggling. Or don't let us leave this place without the sober-mindedness to make change, to keep our eyes pure and focused on you. We pray that revival would start and break out as we, as we confess our sins one to another. And we break down this false notion of the enemy that would say, keep it in the basement. As long as nobody knows about it, it's okay. And let us... Let us destroy every stronghold of the enemy. Let us walk in the freedom that you want to willingly give. Lord, we love you. And we thank you for the mighty and powerful and chain-breaking name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.